Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Like this week is going by quickly. Middle of the week already. 8th of July, Wednesday, Hump Day, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, the return of Brian Haydad in his, uh, that's a great looking Manchester United jersey you got on, friend. <laughs> He's got this his Chelsea nice... jersey on. This is a gift from one of our listeners. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I got this Ooh. today. Uh, Steve-O sent this to me. He uh, runs a company called Mississippi Flex. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash msflexjerseys. And uh, they do custom jerseys, mostly for, like, fishing teams and stuff. But yeah. uh, he sent me this. It's customized. It's got my name on the back, too. I'll turn around. Let me see. There he goes. <laughs> hey, Dad, right there. It's a big font, too. And also, what, what we got here? The, uh, oh, you got this oh, super nice. top Mississippi logo on the sleeve. Yeah. So this is full customized. We technically cool. own a and soccer su- team now. That's kind of cool. Super comfortable, too, man. You should, if, you, if you're a fishing guy, I would definitely give this guy a look. There you go. I, uh, I'm i digging it. Get your, uh, I'm, not, get your, I'm not normally a jersey guy, but if you're going to send me a free one, I'll certainly wear it. Yeah. It's very nice. It didn't take long at all. So is that like jersey material or is it like a t-shirt? It's, it's or more. What? It's more like a t-shirt, but it's just it's. I don't know what the material is. He said it like was a dry fit type fabric. deal. Yeah, yeah. That's that would be more like it. Yeah. There you go. Performance wear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the new model for performance wear. One Brian Haydad. Oh, look at him flexing. There we go. Uh, Glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. The aforementioned Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. Be honest. You know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business, internet, and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. The Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Great way for you to uh, communicate with us. For example, you want to communicate with Brian Haydad and figure out how you can put a jersey on him? Well, that's a great way to do it on the Ceasefire text line. You want to communicate and figure out the best way to send me hate mail? You can ask how. We'll give you the instructions on the ceasefire text line, whatever it is that works for you. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. Uh, a little bit of news that, that I think is positive, or at least for now is positive in the state of Mississippi as it pertains to a portion of high schools in the Magnolia State. MAIS, which is the Mid-South Association of Independent Schools, the executive board today adopted guidelines for school openings and sports play 
for the coming school year. Adapted from publications of the CDC and the Mississippi Department of Health, guidelines provide a minimum standard for member schools to operate fully and safely and to engage interscholastic athletic competition according to the normal schedule for play. Unlike the spring, in which all campuses were closed but schooling continued, this fall we'll see campuses open and functioning fully. As an association of independent schools, MAIS members may have different county or parish restrictions and thus may adopt local policies and procedures in addition to the MAIS minimum standards. So some schools may impose campus restrictions or operate at least for a time with a blend of campus-based and Internet-based instruction. Schools may opt out of interscholastic competition, sports, without jeopardizing their memberships, but schools that do not opt out will compete according to the association's rules. First day of school, Monday, August 10th. Friday, July 31st marks the first play date for fast-pitch softball, volleyball, and girls' soccer for the upcoming school year. And the first football play date is Friday, August 21st. MAIS, full speed ahead with local restrictions in place. What do you make of that? I've been thinking about this a lot today. And I was listening to listening to a podcast earlier where one of the hosts has young enough children. They're young children, but they're old enough to be playing sports and going to school. And I'm not there yet since my kid is only uh, nine months next week. But uh, <laughs> not quite there. Not quite there. But the importance based on talking to people and listening to people and then kind of my own experience as a kid of finding a way. It's not even just about sports. It's social activities for kids. Going to school. If if you can make it happen, get them back into school. If they can play sports by any means necessary, make it happen. If you can have band or chess club or the Fortnite team or whatever kids are doing now, it seems, based on people that actually have experience in parenting, that that mm-hmm. is absolutely vital that we find a way to get that to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree wholeheartedly with you. You know, it's funny. If you rewind back to, to March when all of this started, our kids went on spring break, and then they never came off of spring break, really. It was spring break, and then an additional week of spring break, and then virtual instruction. And God bless the teachers who did all they could. You had some kids who handled that well, and did the best they could. You had some kids who handled it so well that regardless of the amount of work that they were assigned, they were done for the day in an hour, yeah. maybe an hour and a half, maybe less than an hour. You had some kids that, that struggled with it but did their best, and then you had some ki- kids who just completely blew it off because there was no uh either encouragement at home or help at home or instruction at home or maybe the the technology wasn't in place depending on on where you were to to be able to make that work despite the school district's best efforts to do it so god bless the teachers who did absolutely the best job they could but after about halfway through the second week of spring break my kids were ready to go back to school 
It's where their friends are. They dig recess. Uh, you know, you, you you can have the whole. We have to get up at six thirty, and no, everybody's kind of moving slow in the morning. But school is good for children. They need it. They need structure in their lives. Goodness knows they need to learn. I had a conversation with a friend earlier today. I said, we got a lot of stupid people. He's like, yeah, you think it's important for them to be in school? Learning? (laughs) Imagine taking school away from society right now. I I do think that's a a really important thing because we got a lot of people that need some educating. Maybe us included. Here's another conversation. Uh, Let me just kind of pass this along and tie it to the MAIS story. So last week we saw MHSAA, which is Mississippi High School Activities Association, oversees all the scholastic, the 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 extra activities, sports, interscholastic activities at all the schools in Mississippi. And there was some discussion about, okay, do you uh, flip flop contact sports, non contact sports? Fall and spring, which honestly, I mean, if we if we just really boil it down, it means we're flip flopping football and baseball. The the conversation was baseball in the fall, football in the spring. There's more than that. Forgive me if I'm not including the sport that you participate in, but for conversation purposes, it was moving football to the spring and baseball to the fall. That's what they were talking about. They tabled that discussion. I think next week is they're gonna when they're gonna pick that discussion up. One state, two hour north, the Tennessee. TSSAA, I'm not sure exactly what it stands for, but it's the same organization as MHSAA, but for the state of Tennessee. Last week, they pressed pause on the entire deal until August 29th. Conversation with a friend earlier today. Has kids that go to a private school in Memphis, but it's different in the state of Tennessee. In Mississippi, we've got MHSAA, MAIS. In Tennessee, TSSAA governs all of the schools. And you've got public schools and private schools that play each other in the sports world. It's just how it's set up in Tennessee. Nothing, no practices. They will revisit the issue on August 29th. Clearly, they're not playing high school football. Never mind the middle of August. They're not playing high school football in the middle of September. They're going to be fortunate to be playing it by the middle of October. So all around us, people are going, eh, hold off, we'll get to that, not ready to decide yet. And yet today the MAIS says, it's important, we're doing it, we're going forward. Soft, uh, fast pitch softball, July 31, lace them up, time to go. Football, August 21st, strap them on, time to go. That's... Jackson Prep, Jackson Academy, MRA, Lee Academy, Pillow. Private schools all over the state of Mississippi and into Louisiana, and I think some into Arkansas as well. I think that's the group of states that makes up the MAIS. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you on this Wednesday. We'll be right back. Sports Talk streaming at supertalk.fm with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. So we've been waiting on this particular day uh, for a week to find out what the Ivy League was going to tell us about the future of their athletics. Borky, do we have an announcement? 
Yeah, so fall sports have been canceled with, quote, the hope that they can resume sometime in the spring. So they did not officially move them to the spring. They just decided they're not going to happen, and they hope to resume playing sports when the calendar turns to January. Will not have any sports until January 1st at least. John Rothstein, I believe, was the first to report it. Ivy League programs have been informed that fall sports have been canceled. The conference will not entertain any sports being played until after January 1st. Winter sports will have an update in mid-July on their respective practice schedule. So that um, could theoretically, I, I would have to go schedule by schedule, but it would not be crazy to think that an Ivy League program appeared on an SEC team's basketball schedule. And if they're not playing anything until January 1st, then that would probably eliminate those games. Um, I, so you're talking Harvard and Yale and University of Pennsylvania and Princeton and whatnot. I know it is not an Ivy League school per se, but in one of those like Ivy Light schools, Lehigh played Auburn last year. So there could be an effect. Is this is this domino number one? Or is this a little bit of an anomaly? People keep saying that and I understand why they do. I truly do. Because Ivy League was first when it came to conference basketball tournaments, and everybody obviously ended up canceling their conference basketball tournaments and then some. So people are equating, oh, they're just first again. The smart people are first here. But the decision is different now than it was back then. Because as as you've mentioned a few times, especially this week, basketball makes money. It does. Conference tournaments make money. Not even close to the revenue generated by football. And it's very different when it's Harvard and Yale and Penn and Dartmouth and Cornell and whoever who do not at all depend on football to do really anything for them. I'm sure they they like the nice revenue a few weekends a year. They fill up their little stadiums every so often, and that's not bad, but Harvard doesn't use football to recruit students. Harvard doesn't use football to generate revenue and build up its university. It does it on the academic side. That's where they make their their hay. Here, in SEC country, even a great academic institution like Florida uses football in so many different ways. And football props up the towns and it props up the campus in ways that all of the Ivy League schools combined football team doesn't do what Florida's does for them, for example. So it's Equating this to the basketball decision, you lose me there because it's the stakes are very, very different when it comes to this. The Ivy League's not worried about revenue generating. And honestly, if like the ACC moves to the spring, you might not see Trevor Lawrence. The Ivy League doesn't have a bunch of NFL players that have to worry about the draft and make difficult decisions there. Like there, There's no real losing for them here. If the SEC, Greg Sankey, today were to make the same decision, there would be a lot of losing around here. It's completely different. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the NFL component is the biggest one for the SEC. That, you know, just look at Mississippi State. If you move the football, if move football to the spring, 
I, I feel pretty confident in saying that KJ Costello, Kylan Hill, Errol Thompson, those three would not play because they're all pretty sure they're going to be drafted, and there's no reason to risk injury when the draft is still. The NFL's already said the draft is still happening on its regular schedule. There's not going to no be no interest whatsoever in moving it. Sorry. Right. So it's it's just those guys are just going to sit out, work out, and, and go to the combine and, and do what they have to do there. So I mean. You're, and for a team like Alabama, you know, Auburn, teams that have a ton of NFL guys, it's just going to be even worse. So, And, and then you talk, talk about depth. You know, what if you lose? A team like Alabama might lose nine, ten guys. They can't just go pick up a bunch of free agents. Might lose of, nine or ten starters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they have guys, but, I mean, they can't just go pick up free agents. They, they Now you're going into a situation where you, you have almost a scholarship limitation, despite you don't have the fact that you don't have any NCAA violations. You might only be playing with, you know, seventy guys or so. Some guys are just going to, okay. you know, they're going to. It's been, it's been well. done before. It can be done. <laughs> Not at a high level, I would think. So I, I tend uh, to agree, but if that's what it takes to balance the scales for one year, so be it. Well, well, uh, the problem with that is their seventy are probably still better than a lot of teams' eighty-fives. So okay, well then but, don't cry but, for me, but, Alabama. But at the end of the, well, I mean, it's, it's almost a safety issue at that point. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, but it, there's no, there's no, no, no. It, no, it's not a safety issue. NFL rosters are made up of what, 52? 46 like on that. game day. Okay, 46 I'm, on game day. Nobody was claiming safety issues when Ole Miss was playing with 68 scholarship guys or, but I said or, or with, dressing without, 58 I said a couple of years NCAA ago. Violations. I, no, but you yeah, just said safety issues. I can't help it if there are violations that get you into the safety issues. That's, that's where I'm going to go. The point is, the safety issue is based on the number of scholarship guys available. Mm-hmm. You can't have it both ways. Okay. Regardless, the SEC is not going to move this to the no, spring. Uh, why, why do you disagree with that? I, I, like, I'm I not trying to make this an Ole Miss State thing. I don't but, but, I disagree with you. I'm just saying that I get that there is a safety issue. And Ole Miss was dangerously close in a lot of instances to having some problems there when they only had 68 guys to dress out. But you know how many but, people talked about that? A grand oh, total of zero. Well, you might have brought it up once. Well, I might have, but I'm talking about in, in you know be, all the people right. that care and are concerned about the health and safety of student-athletes. Well, we're going to be concerned about the health and safety of student-athletes, and then we're going to play two football seasons in a calendar year. It feels like spring is throwing health and safety sort of out the window. For, for you know, you're, you're throwing out one health and safety for another health and safety. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. But Illness but you brought up the safety because of scholarship numbers because of Alabama. Okay. My, my point my my point is simply nobody was worried about safety as it pertained to Ole Miss when they were only able to dress however many guys it was 65, 68, whatever the number. 59, whatever the number was. But if it's Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Texas who can only dress 70 guys, 69 guys, nice, then we're going to be talking about the safety of the student athlete. Yeah, This just is an untenable situation. Are we sure the revenue would even be the same? Hey, let, let's just pretend that coronavirus really dies down this fall. And in, in the spring, people aren't really all that worried about it. Are we still sure that the stadiums will be packed to the gills like they would have been otherwise? That the television numbers are no! going to be the same? That's See, that's You're my next the question. Spring? Yeah. You mean like in, in flu season when they're talking about the rebound of COVID? Well, but... It, 
just take take that element away from it. So let's let's say it's over or or over enough. It's it's past us. It's still here, but it's it's okay. an afterthought. Is the revenue in so, so ju- February, so just March, to- and April for college football the same as a regular September, October, November? I don't know about the revenue. Hey, Dad, tell me about the stadiums. Are they still full in the spring? Yeah, if we play if we play a regular football season. Maybe it looks a little bit different, but we play it February, March, April instead of September, October, November. Do people fill up the stadiums? I think so. I think people would fill up the stadiums now if you would let them. But I think if you get if you get if you push it back to the spring, at that point you have to sort of say we need to move forward with business as usual, I think. Do you believe they'd be full Borky? I don't think they would be as full. You're going to have some some holdover because, believe it or not, even though it seems like most people I encounter would go to a game right now. I mean, they don't care. They want to go see football. But there are people, a percentage of people, that will not go to any big public gathering, at least for a little while. And on top of that, it is a different season. Different things happen in February, March, and April. Uh, kids are in different sports or maybe your job is easier for you to do things in the fall than in the spring or just out of out of habit falls where you allocate your time and days off at work and your money for football and then when they take that away from you it's harder to do in the spring there's just it's a moving target where I'm sure a lot of people would still go I'm not confident that it would be the exact same yeah I don't know that it would be the exact same but I don't think anything's going to be the exact same I mean, I, I think that's just the reality that we're dealing with is for, I, I don't think it's just for a semester. And I don't even think it's just for a year. I, I think we're going to be feeling the effects of this strange time in our country's history, and our world's history. I, I, I think there will be lingering effects of this for years to come. Now, I don't think it's going to take us multiple years to get back into a little bit of a normal schedule. But in terms of, like, ripple effect, I mean, we could still be dealing with some of the ripple effect in 2023, 24. I don't think that's crazy at all. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Um... Goodness, there's a bunch to get. There's a lot of news out there today. Unfortunately, not much of it is good news. I mean, not like it's dire news, but in terms of wanting to be encouraged about football and full stadiums and basketball and baseball, there's not a ton of great news. So let's just kind of pick through some of this. Let's start global and then make it a little more local. Um, Stanford announced they're cutting 11 sports. Not good news for Stanford. Now, in fairness, Stanford had one of the largest athletics departments in the country. They, prior to this, had 35 varsity sports. The 11 sports that will be discontinued are men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, 
synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. I feel badly for the people that are losing their jobs. I feel badly for the student-athletes that are losing their opportunity to have at least part of their college played for, especially um, especially at a place like Stanford. I'm sure some of those are scholarships, some of them aren't. But... It's men's and women's fencing and squash and synchronized swimming and volleyball and wrestling we're talking about. It's this stuff they're really good at, though, and that they care about. Yes, yes. It's how they claim a gazillion national championships because seven schools in the entire country compete. Out of that group, it's it's how they win the Director's Cup every year. They offer so many more sports than just about anybody else. Yeah. It's like 20 national champions in that group and then uh, around 30 Olympic uh, medalists that came from Stan- those sports at Stanford. And, and again, I'm I'm not belittling the, the loss there because I know you you know as an athletics director that's a difficult call to make to call eleven head coaches and say I'm sorry we're discontinuing your program at the end of next year. You need to find another job. You need to figure out if you want to retire. We'll make you a something emeritus, you know, whatever. But let's, I mean, Borky, we did this a little bit yesterday. Hey, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. So the question came up, well, how could you possibly pull off playing football, baseball, and basketball all at the exact same time? And I said, this is the unpopular answer. But here's the answer. It doesn't matter how you pull off men's basketball and baseball. The only thing that matters is that you pull off football. Because while, yes, the majority of men's basketball programs are profitable, they do operate in the black, it is not a significant revenue generator outside of maybe 10 schools. Kentucky, Louisville, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, probably Arizona, At least a couple of those are going to be on probation, so they may not be making as much money anyway. Um, And a handful of others. But most of those, profit-wise, are in the two, three, four million dollars. Whereas you got football programs that are profiting somewhere between fourteen, fifteen, twenty million and seventy-five million at a place like Alabama or Texas or Texas A&M. This is the this is the inconvenient truth that nobody wants to talk about. There is no rifle at Ole Miss. There is no soccer volleyball at Mississippi State. There is no track and field program at Ole Miss. There is no, frankly, women's basketball at Southern Mississippi. If not for football. And that's the problem that I've always had with the Title IX equation in the first place. See, I think here's how you can fix and balance things out. Now, I know we're talking about cutting costs altogether in the first place, but here's what the Title IX formula should be. Football stands alone because it pays the way for everybody else. And then you go one-to-one scholarships, men's versus women's, for all other sports. 
I don't disagree with that at all. That's fair. That's balance. Oh, no, Richard, you've got more football scholarships. Okay, well, then let's get rid of football, and we'll figure out how we can play all these other sports and be fair and balanced for everybody. What? What? You don't you don't like that equation? Why? Because the truth oh. is insensitive, Richard. Oh, oh, you mean because you can't function without football? That that that's that's what you mean. So why should football be part of the equation? They shouldn't. If you want equality, let's create equality for everybody that can't pay for themselves, which is basically everybody but football. Oh, but that's not exactly fair. Well, fair's cotton candy and bobbing for apples. That's what the fair is. Um, Where were we? We were talking about all the bad news. I guess. <laughs> Did I just go off on a bit of a tangent? You've, been, you've had some tangents already in this show today. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Pardon me, what is squash? Yep, there are hundreds of kinds of squash. There's zucchini, there's yellow squash, butternut squash, delicious. Uh, Donald in Oxford, news broke about an hour ago with Governor Reeves, about to impose new restrictions in Mississippi, restaurants, bars, other establishments, and elective medical procedures. Get ready for gatherings, including sports. My guess is if those measures do get imposed, they're going to be temporary, just trying to get things under control and slowing the spread, and it'll be... He's not going to close businesses down. The season starts two months from now, two months from this past Sunday. It's a long time. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a lockdown again. There might be no. a mask mandate, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I, so what? Put on a mask. If it helps, put on a mask. I don't like masks. You probably don't like masks, but if it helps, let's wear a mask. We've kind of gotten used to it at this point. Just put on a mask. Unless you don't um, like sports, in which case, do what you want, I guess. No way you could bob for apples these days. LOL. It's true. Well played, friend. Well played. We were talking about that on the podcast the other day, about how, like, assuming they allow premium seating to come in, there won't be any buffet-style food up there anymore. It's going to be, here's your hamburger, here's your hot dog. It's not going to be, just pick up off the plate and, get, and go with what you're doing. Same for press boxes, too. There, there probably won't be the communal-style buffet stuff anymore, at least this year. Where? At any like in the press box. Oh, I mean, I was thinking like in the oh, press box. Oh, you only mean, you know? I thought you meant like going to Ryan's or Western Chase. Oh, no, no. I mean, there are better buffets. We go to Hamble's, for God's sakes. But the, huh? yeah, I'm talking about like Mama Hamble's in, in, in Ridgeland. Oh, come on, Richard. Jeez Louise. Anyway. Dude, I'm not like, like the only buffets that I've eaten at in the last this guy decade are rewinding to when I traveled with Ole Miss Baseball. There is nobody that likes an all-you-can-eat buffet more. I'm sorry. There's nobody that likes to feed his team an all-you-can-eat buffet more than Mike Bianco. Anyway, I was talking about like uh, premium. Are you a big buffet guy? I mean, I'll go to a buffet. I like, I like, I like buffets. When I go to Vegas, I like to hit one at least for sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Probably a casino buffet. The last time. Nah, maybe one at Disney World. 
Yeah, Disney World. Anyway. Yeah, that's but those those things but I was thinking about in terms of sports, like you know, premium seating, there's always food available and you just go and get what you want and they're not gonna yeah. have that anymore. And it's mm. press box, you know, they've always have pregame meal. It's just gonna be like a hot dog that they can hand you and you're not, you know, putting your hands in anywhere, things like that. State does, you know, they do so drinks in the cup. They just sort of they have cups of drink out for you. I imagine nope. that will change this year. They'll yep. there'll be cans available. Something like All that. bottles so, and cans. Yeah. I'm so sick of the word optics, too, by the way. It, I Chef Mickey, Crystal Palace, both get big buffets at Disney World. By the way, they're opening on July 11th. I'm a Hollywood, Sorry, go ahead with your optics uh, Hollywood and Vine kind of guy. Go ahead. Uh, I, was, I was kind of turning the page anyway, and we've got... We had a big uh, spill at Hollywood and Vine. I'm, I am, like, completely in non-sequitur mode right now today. Just in and out, in and out, in and out. But you got to be able to... Borky, you got to be able to keep your train of thought, because I'm coming in and out a bunch... <laughs> I'll try to maintain it. We had a huge orange juice spill at Hollywood oh, and Vine last time we were there. That's that's not good. Hollywood and Vine More. is the only buffet there that has like peel and eat shrimp, so I'm a big fan of that. And nah, we've only done breakfast there. Nah. Borky, what are you, you're sick of optics? People talking about optics in college football. The optics. Yeah, I've got I've got some thoughts on it if we uh, if we come back to it. There is a reasonable chance I will interrupt you mid-thought, but let's come back to it. The daily occurrence, it's fine. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Just give you a little more background on the story at Stanford. Told you 11 of the 36 currently sponsored sports at Stanford are being cut. The 11 that are going away, men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Those are the 11 sports that are going away. They had to announce the decision uh, on a Zoom conference call to the coaches and the athletes, and then there was an open letter to the Stanford community. Here's what it said. Heartbreaking news to share. These 11 programs consist of more than 240 student-athletes and 22 dedicated coaches. They were built by more than 4,000 alumni whose contributions led to 20 national championships and 27 Olympic medals. Each of the individuals associated with these programs will forever have a place in Stanford history. They're going to honor the coaches' contracts. They're going to honor their scholarship commitments. So they're doing this the right way. But, But here's the rationale behind cutting 11 programs. Stanford was already operating as an athletics program in the red. They had projected a deficit this year of $12 million. That was before the pandemic. And so in a best-case scenario in the fiscal year, they were looking at a $25 million deficit and a $70 million shortfall over the next three years. And they say, while painful the discontinuation of these 11 sports at the varsity level and the associated reductions in our support staff will create a path for Stanford Athletics to return to fiscal stability while maintaining gender equity and competitiveness. They just come right out and tell you Title IX was part of this. They gave the criteria for how they chose which programs to cut, They included fan interest, potential savings, the impact on Title IX compliance, each sport's history, and their prospects for future success. 
other schools have made cuts of sports, nobody's cut 11 at one time. For the record, Stanford as a university has the third largest endowment in the country. Harvard's endowment is almost $40 billion. Yale's is about $31 billion. Stanford's is just shy of $28 billion. But there are very specific rules on how you can use your endowment. And you, you, generally speaking, can't touch the principle of the endowment. You can only operate with a percentage of the annual gains. And those usually go to funding scholarships and academic programs and whatnot. That said, it feels like a university right, yeah. could. Well, I mean, yeah. it feels like a university could move money around somewhere, where they could use the endowment money for what it's for, and then move some money over to athletics for one. I mean, it's for one year. You think that could happen, especially a, a well, university with that big an endowment? Don't tell me that. The fact, in, in, in this world, we can't get creative with the accounting. Yeah, no, I agree with you, except for the fact that they still were going to operate at a twelve million dollar deficit. And can, can I can I be the bearer of uncomfortable news? Sure. Nobody's going to say this publicly, but behind closed doors, they said. This is our opportunity to get spending under control with athletics. It's sad. It's hard. It's tough. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's make sure that we're compliant from a Title IX standpoint, that we've got the gender equity that we need. Let's decide which sports people actually care about and which sports they don't. Yes, we know they've accomplished a lot of things. It does nothing to enhance the brand of the university, and it is a fiscal drain on our athletics department. Let's use this opportunity to cut 11 sports. We will still have 25, which, by the way, is significantly more than most universities, and we can get ourselves to a place where we can operate as a department in the black on an annual basis. I'm just kind of in tell-the-truth mode today. And if you don't think that conversation happened, whether by bean counters or by big-picture thinkers, even at a place like Stanford, you're crazy. They don't want you to know that it happened. They're not going to tell anybody publicly that it happened. But I guarantee you it happened. Would we like to, in perpetuity, be able to sponsor 36 varsity sports so we can tell everybody, we sponsor 36 varsity sports? Yeah, we would. Can we afford to continue to do that? Nope. Fix it. You got a pandemic that you can blame it on. It's going to be better in the long run. Rip the band-aid. That's what happened at Stanford. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. Streaming at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick timeout, and we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this Wednesday afternoon. Week rolling along. We have made it until uh, all the way to the 8th of July. 
Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Perhaps this is exactly what needed. Maybe a little uh, water thrown on uh, my fire. I feel like I was burning a little hot today. Neil Price is the radio play-by-play voice at Mississippi State, and he is on your radio right now. Neil, what's up, my friend? What day did you say it was again? I've lost today, track. I'm sorry. Today is Wednesday. Feels like <laughs> Groundhog you. Day, doesn't it? Yes, uh, it, it does. And, uh, you know, it, it, you just wonder. I, I caught the tail end of the last hour. And, you know, I've been following so many different stories, you know, in terms of what's been going on. And I heard you talking about what's happened at Stanford today. I've read what's happened with the Ivy League today, uh, even what's going on back home with high school athletics and and it's in in this state uh you know too and you you keep hoping that you're going to wake up and and you're going to hear that the magic bullet exists or that we've made progress or anything that just gives you a little bit of hope i think with regard to to sports in in this country and it's hard to find right now you know just that's kind of where we are in the absence of that magic elixir, the the silver bullet, the magic pill, however you want to describe it, have we lost our minds, Neil? I don't know that we've lost our minds. I think we overthink things a lot now, and I'm guilty mm. of it. Uh, I find myself, I talked to a friend about this earlier today, I find myself sitting and thinking about the what-ifs, and that doesn't do a bit of good. Because at the end of the day, I don't have any control over the factors that lead to it. But I think that maybe all of us can say that we've fallen into that trap uh, of, man, if I don't have football on Saturday to look forward to, or I don't have the NFL on Sunday afternoon, or, or in even in, in in you know current times, you know I don't have that baseball game to look forward to watching or listening to tonight. I think it wears on you. And the other thing I think too, not not to get too too far into the weeds, is is I think we need something to unify people right now. And sports is a great unifier in a lot of ways. Even when you are fans of teams that don't like one another, you can at least get behind the banter that comes <laughs> with being able to pick and and rib your neighbor because you believe your team is better than their team or whatever the case may be. We just don't have that right now. And I think we miss it as a country. Uh, That's my two cents, you know, and I hope we get it back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's probably also true that because we are in the sports business and this is what we love, or at least I'm not going to speak for you. It's what I love. I, I, I am in this business because it's I, I figured out how to like make a living doing what I love, and I know not everybody gets that opportunity. I wonder if we overstate the importance uh, of sports in unifying. Like I, I want to believe that we're not that that you're absolutely dead on on what you're saying, Neil. That this is something that that can kind of help pull us back together and get us to something, even if it's just a distraction. But are we overstating? The value of sports? I realize that's a dangerous question to ask when you're hosting a sports talk radio show. 
are we overstating the value of it? I think there are people that, that do that all the time. They're called fans. Fan come from the word fanatic. And, you know, that that's that's what we do. Um, I don't know that – I think it's more about priorities. And, and that's what I kind of found myself early on in the quarantine and the shelter-in-place really thinking about. Okay, okay, sports has gone away. It's what I love to do, but the reality is I'm not going to be doing it again for a while because we live in a world now that's dominated by the coronavirus. So what else is important or what have I maybe over-prioritized in my life that I can I can kind of balance this out a little bit? And I think maybe all of us have thought about that. Um, what have you discovered? That, yeah, I spent a lot of time reading and chasing things on the Internet that I probably – I'm just as well off or just I know just as much about today as I would have known if I would have been reading whatever speculation there was out there four months ago. Because <laughs> the reality is, and, and don't take this the wrong way, guys, and I'll lump myself into that group with the media too. The reality is we just got to file a story some days. We just got to give – we got to feed the monster some days. And we may not know any more than you do. We may not. We got an opinion. But we may not know any more than you do. And I think now it's just kind of like, okay, you know, let, let's work on trying to find ways to to re, reprioritize or, or, or revalue what really is important. And I have really, I have really enjoyed the time that I've had at home with my wife. Um, mm-hmm. We've had more time together in terms of a string of consecutive days in a row than we've had probably at any point since we've been married. And that's going on nine years now. That's been a good thing. Um, I think that that's something I'd like to have in my life a lot more. Uh, I've talked to people. I, I have, I've, I've been able to get back together with a friend that I haven't spoken to maybe more than one time in 20 years. And now we do... Once every two weeks, a group of us that went to school together, we carve out a couple hours and we sit down and we talk our way through this. That's something that I just let get away because I was too busy chasing career or worried about, man, is somebody going to be better than me on this day? Or, you know, all these things that, that in, in, in theory are good when you, because I, I don't want people to think that I don't care about doing a good job. I do. I, I want to do the best I can every week. But I think there's also this competitive aspect that comes into it sometimes, too, where you're thinking, I need to be better on the air than the guy down the hallway. Or I need to be more like guy X because his career is on whatever trajectory. Yeah. At the end of the day, I've just learned now in the last four months, so what? You know, let's let's just do the best. I'm going to do the best that I can do. And hopefully that'll be good enough. And as all of you know, if it's not, there are plenty of people who have no problem getting behind those 147 characters or whatever the number is now and letting you know exactly how far off the target you are. Does not take long. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. 
Um, and then you have the debate of, okay, do I respond? Do I say thank you for the compliments? Do I try to defend myself for the negatives? Or do let I me just tell let it you go? The, let me tell you the greatest thing that I discovered. Okay. Because I used to be that person that I wanted to please everybody. And then I remembered what Abraham Lincoln said. You can please some of the people some of the time, but you'll never please all of the people all of the time. You kill yourself trying to. Right. Um, I learned that you can turn off the notifications. I learned that you can fix it to where people can respond, whatever, and it goes into a void, good, bad, or indifferent. And my life got a lot better when I learned that. A lot better. Because now... If I and I don't tweet a lot. It's been about food more than anything lately because that's just my favorite hobby is going out here and cooking and eating food. And um I, I put a few things up here and there, but I, I'm not a person who's a high volume tweeter, I guess. That sounds like a speaker, doesn't it? Uh I'm not a high volume <laughs> tweeter. So I haven't missed that and I've about sworn off of Facebook altogether. It's just because it just seems like it's a toxic place. Cesspool. And and I just I, I just think, man, I, there's just way too much other there's way too many other things I need to be focused on right now. Uh, there are, and I'm, I know I'm making appearances on there and the virtual road dogs and all that, and it's great, and I'm glad we're doing that to engage with the fans. But I think that's probably about the only sports related stuff, or, or you know, any any semblance of opinion sports related for me that you're probably seeing on there right now tell you what i love about our conversations with neil price as he joins us on the farm bureau phone line one he's almost always generous with his time and he has agreed to spend uh, another segment with us but two we just talk and there was no plan going into what we were going to talk about today uh hopefully some of this is uh fascinating to you i'll tell you what's coming up next When we come back, I'm going to ask Neil the question that I seem to be getting more than any and the one that I'm sure he is getting more than any. And then we're going to talk about process as well. Uh, I've had people ask me along the way, you know, how long does it take to get ready for a basketball game, for a football game, for a baseball game? We'll ask Neil those questions as well. How does he prepare for Mississippi State broadcast, whether it's football or basketball or baseball? What is his process We'll do that when we continue Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. If you want to be part of the show, you can do so on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395-BULL. There's a lot of it in wireless, but ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire. We continue our conversation with Neil Price, the voice of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out their website, favorites.com, and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So, Neil, I I said two questions coming back, and this may take the entire segment. The one that I get everywhere, and my assumption is when you bump into somebody, unless it's just your wife or somebody that you know really well and you see all the time, the question you get, so what do you think about football season? So I'll ask it so you can tell the entire state of Mississippi. As we sit here on the 8th of July, and, and my, I'm assumption, assuming it's just a guess or, or a gut feeling, what do you think about football season? About where I was when you asked me about it the last time that we were together. Um, no change? 
Yeah, no change. I, I think that I, I'm 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 hoping that it's going to happen on time, and I know the mm-hmm. league's hoping it's going to happen on time. But it just seems like we get more more news that just doesn't feel good as we get closer to the end of July. Uh, the thing that I am I am optimistic though is that for the most part. There have been a few schools that have popped up that have been pretty public. They've had their, their bouts with positive tests and all that. For the most part here, I think they've done a really good job with how they've brought everybody back. I think that they've had overwhelmingly negative tests, which is good. There have been a few, but, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're batting a pretty good average against it. And yeah. that gives me hope that they can get going here when we get to, you know, the date where – you're having your 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 camp basically, and they can at least start. But but in terms of how the games are going to go right now, I still just think the thing's so fluid. It's hard to say that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we're going to play the first Saturday in September. I, I just I'm not there yet. I'm not. And I know we talked about this a while back. Is your gut sometime later in the fall or a full on push to the spring? I hope it's later in the fall, and I think it can yeah. be done later in the fall. Um, but with an abbreviated schedule, maybe, maybe uh, you know, I, or I, I just think I think when you talk about spring football, can it be done? Sure, it can. But and and I've read some of the baseball stuff. The college baseball guys out there, Kendall Rogers was kind of spitballing on the internet the other day about um, could you imagine a football and a baseball weekend together and what it would do for college baseballs in this state could you imagine that i mean if you had all three of the, the the big campuses going with home baseball and football games in the same weekend oh it'd be unbelievable but i think and basketball from too, a logistical right? standpoint of how you gonna pull it off you know how many people is it going to take to orchestrate all of that that's the thing that i think about you know is just how do you how do you do it I, I think we need to play the games. I'm all for playing the games, and I'll be at as many of them as I can be at physically because I, I miss it. But I just think there are a lot of questions about how we're going to do it, and there are people smarter than me that are in charge of making that, you know, coming up with a plan for it. And I'm ready to help them execute it however we can do it if it'll if it'll make it happen. It's a good thing you've spent all that time with your wife over the last four months. Because if, if we go down that road, you may not see her for the, the next four. Well, I just think about what's a weekend look – I mean, what's a week look like if you're doing college basketball and football together? That That's the thing, you know, and, and, and thank goodness, you know, I mean, Jim's still doing baseball, and, yeah. and I'm thankful for that. But I know, you know, David's in a spot where he's doing all three at Ole Miss. John's doing all three at Southern Miss. And I'm just thinking – you're, you're going to have to get on the bench at some point now and, and start bringing some folks in because I don't know how you can be three places at once. Yeah, no, that's, a, uh, that's a good point. certainly is. So with about five minutes or so left, let's talk process for, for a second. Maybe how, how would you describe your proce- the process of getting ready for a broadcast and then forgive me for answering two, or asking two questions at once, how has it evolved for you over the last decade or 15 years since you know you you started doing women's basketball and baseball at Kentucky or maybe even high school sports before that well it starts with a real basic question what's the story what's the story of this 
matchup. And I've always tried to treat it as, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit morbid. You start with a skeleton, okay? That's the basics. And then you're trying to put the flesh and you're trying to put the personality into it with all of the other things you find beyond what is the core story of the game. Uh, And I think if I'm guilty of anything, and and this has probably always been the case, um, I probably bring way too much information into a game and then try to find ways to work it in, and maybe it doesn't make sense at a given point. Hmm. Um, The editing process is something I'm still working on. And and I just think that's that's something everyone's working on. Um, I, I I can tell you I did some high school football on television last December, and I had done soccer on TV and some other things to last stop. And I just remember walking away thinking, man, you can tell a lot of stories on TV that you can't tell on radio. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's the thing I've got to learn is that in radio, you know, you, you would love to tell those stories, but sometimes you just have to hold on to them knowing that it may not happen depending on how the game dictates the broadcast goes. So, you know, it's it's all about trying to build it out and have it ready. And then during the game, what's that self-editing process when you can – when you know this is a good moment to drop this tidbit, or can I set Matt up, or can I set Coach Williams up for this and let them explain? Um, you know, but what I'll tell you is that the other thing I've learned too is all that preparation is very important, and I have nightmares about not being prepared. I, I mean, I, it scares me to death. <laughs> but the other thing I've learned that's very important too is. You've got to make a connection with the audience, and you certainly got to have chemistry and make a connection with the people that are doing the broadcast with you. And I I could not have landed in a better spot when you talk about Matt and Jay working the football games with me and Richard Williams. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Richard Williams is doing bad. The guy coached in the Final Four. I learned more on on Saturday night or Friday nights at dinner with Richard Williams than I learned in all the years I went to school. And that's not just basketball. That's that's <laughs> a lot about life too. But to me, I mean, you know, it, it's about setting those guys up and letting them be stars because they've got so much good stuff to tell people. And I can't tell them that. I, they've forgotten more about the game than I'll ever know about it. And I, I just think that that's the other part of it. Make sure you're a good teammate and, and you set up the guys that are working with you to be successful. And I try to do that. I don't know that I always hit the mark, but, but that's that's the goal. Two thoughts on Richard Williams. One, I'm sure you've had the opportunity somewhere along the way to join he and John Brady. You put those two together and whew. I stay out of the way when he and Brady get together just because I've heard how that can go. And maybe, you know, one of us has to make sure we're going to make it to the game the next day. So I let those two guys go and have a good time, and I sit those out. I see them interact with one another. You know, at the SEC tournament, they'll, yeah. they'll rib one another courtside or something, and you can, tell, you can tell those guys really, really do care deeply for one another as friends. And they've been down a lot of roads together now, you know, but I- – 
I think it's great that they've got that kind of friendship. I, I've never had dinner with them per se, but I kind of crashed a dinner. We were eating at the same restaurant. I finished up and I went over to speak, and they're like, "Hey, pull up a chair." And so I crashed and just kind of listened to stories for a while. That was that's pretty good memory there. The last thing I'll say: twenty seconds left. You mentioned Richard Williams. I'm not sure that I've ever heard somebody who does a better job teaching the game of basketball through their analysis on the radio. I think that is a gift that very few have. I think it's why he was a great coach. I don't think he's any different, and I don't. I didn't know him as a coach, but I can't imagine he was a whole lot different in how he laid the game out to teach it than what he does on the air with me. And I think it goes back to his roots as a teacher. I really do. He's a teacher first who happens to know the game of basketball, and he can relate it in a way that people can learn it and understand it. And you're right. That's a gift. It absolutely is. Neil, thanks for your time today. This was fun. We filled another half hour. That's one more you don't have to kill today. That's not what this is. It's about sharing stories and communicating with the entire state of Mississippi. We're not and just punching the clock here. Everybody on the here. other end of the speaker is going, thank goodness that's over. Yeah, I, I know exactly where you are on this one. Neil Price, voice of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. See ya. He joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Quick timeout. We will be right back. Wednesday afternoon, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Fun conversation with Neil Price, the play-by-play voice of Mississippi State Athletics on the radio, men's basketball and football. Uh, appreciate uh, him spending some time with us this afternoon. Here, here's what I'll say about Neil. I mean, there are a lot of things I could say about Neil, but just in terms of what he does and how he goes about it, And this is not taking away from anything else that he does. But from a pure technical standpoint, in terms of like the way he goes about doing a broadcast and describing action, he is as technically proficient as I think just about anybody you can find as a radio play-by-play broadcaster, certainly at the college level, and maybe period. I I listen to a lot of radio. There's some guys I really, really like. Some of them I like because of their voice. Some of them I like because of yeah, kind of what I was describing with Neil a second ago. Uh, Some of them I like because they're the total package. They do all of it well. And again, that's not saying Neil doesn't do other things well, but that particular part of what he does is as good as you will find anywhere. And he's a nice guy too. So, enjoyed the visit with uh, with Neil. Hey, Dad, did uh, did Neil say anything that uh, caused you to perk up today? No, caused, not you, so caused much, your ears to perk up. Not so much him, but what you're just saying right then about technical. What, what go a little deeper with that? What what are you what are you looking for there? Right, so so when you hear people talk about radio play-by-play, and I think radio play-by-play and, and television play-by-play are different because you don't have moving pictures that go along with radio. There, there's just 
there, there's less need to describe what you're seeing because you're looking at it. And, and so Neil kind of alluded to that a second ago. So you, you've heard the analogy used before, you know, the, the job of a play-by-play broadcaster is to paint a picture. Yeah. I think Neil does a really good job of if you are listening to the radio and he is describing to you what he is seeing so that you can see it in your mind, he does a really nice job of really filling the picture out. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, and I would say it's most difficult to do in basketball because of the sheer volume of passes and things that are happening and the speed at which it's doing uh, and the speed at which it's happening. Um, so when you start talking about, you know, a pass into the paint, you, you got guys and there's nothing wrong with doing it, you know. Entry pass down low, kicks it back outside, three from the corner. Good. Okay. I, I just told you exactly how that unfolded. Whereas Neil might describe it as bounce pass into the low bot, Datcher doubled right there, kicks it in the corner, Weatherspoon gives a shot fake, slides to his left, lets it fly. He made it. What an assist, you know, whatever. Does that, does that make sense, kind of the way I described the, the difference in those? There's nothing wrong with either of them, but in terms of giving you the detail of everything that happened to get to the point where the shot went in. No, I understand. Yeah, okay. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So I just think Neil's really good at that. Um, you guys listen to much radio stuff, like outside of the state of Mississippi? Oh, no. I mean, when would I? Yeah, I do, like I'll find myself traveling at night a, a fair amount, and we'll catch, you know, random games, whether it's Major League Baseball um, or, you know, listening to the Oregon State Pac-12 radio guy. I'll tell you the 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 I think maybe the best voice. Couldn't tell you his name if I had to, but the University of Colorado play-by-play broadcaster for football and men's basketball, may have the best set of pipes out there of anybody. He's pretty good as a broadcaster as well, but it just in terms of Mark listening Johnson. to his... Mark Johnson, there you go. He's great. I know that's random. You'll forgive me. Um, I think Craig Way is really good at Texas. He's been doing it for a long time there. Uh Trying to think SEC guys. Wow, this doesn't sound real. Are you gonna play something? Uh, I can. It's just it's a YouTube video of him talking. But play it. I want to hear it. I like to refer to it as my long-haired maggot-infested disc jockey days. I was working for a top forty station, and then started uh, doing high school wow. games at another town. It was about. I mean, how silky smooth is that voice? That is, if and somebody so says, "Do your radio voice," that's the impression I would do. That's his actual voice on a top forty station, and it yeah. just began to build from there. All right, that's crazy. That's really good. Yeah. I'm glad you don't think I'm completely crazy when I just randomly throw out a radio guy and you're like, eh, whatever. Oh, no, wow. He, that's does, really good. he does have a good voice. So, 
Uh, you want to be part of the show, you can do so. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Bubba and Starkville, is it just me, or did Neil's voice not sound at all the same as on a broadcast? Please educate me. I'm a play-by-play radio nut. Not being negative, I think he has an awesome radio voice. Yes, Neil changes his delivery when he's doing play-by-play. Yeah. Having a conversation with Neil and hearing Neil on the uh, radio doing play-by-play are totally... That's, you would never know it's the same person, almost. N- Neil, I mean, he's in East Tennessee slash Kentucky kind of born and raised guy. And he sounds like it when you're just talking to him. But he shifts it into a different gear, and some people do. There are some people who, like like the guy you just heard from Colorado, Mark Johnson, that's just his voice. There are some people that God just blessed in a different way when they open their mouth, a silk baritone just rolls off the tongue. And then there's some people who change it a little bit. Um, Caleb at Starkville says Bob Kessling is one of my favorites. Yep. If you told me, Richard, you can only listen to one radio broadcaster in the Southeastern Conference ever again, I'd tell you Bob Kessling's my guy. And the fact that he's just a gem of a human being on top of that is pretty cool. Hammy in Hattiesburg says, Jim Hawthorne, longtime LSU broadcaster. Yeah, Jim's Jim left LSU a couple of years ago. And you want to talk about a run. He had he, he called five baseball national championships and another half dozen college world series appearances. He called two football national championships, is that right? Two? That sounds right, yeah. Oh seven yes. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Saban three, and, yeah. Yeah, Saban and, and, then, yeah. and then Miles. And at least one trip to the Final Four. Did LSU go to the Final Four twice? Uh, or was it just that one time under yeah. John Brady? I mean, I know they no, went. They went, they went under Dale Brown a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So multiple so Final Four even, trips as well. Yeah. You want, you want a, a cool stat, Richard, about broadcasters? Yes. So, Jack Crystal called 636 MSU football games during his broadcasting career, more than half of State's all-time games. It will be eight to nine years before MSU has played more games without Jack than with Jack. What was his last year broadcasting football? I think it was after the 10 season. Okay. I think he went, he went just to basketball after that, and then I, I could be wrong. And then he he gave up basketball in the end of the twelve season. I think I could be I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, Ashley and Amory says I think David Kellum is the best around here. And State of Mississippi has three really good, really so good, good play by play guys. And when you listen to it in other states, then you really know how good they are. Uh, I was listening to. 
I've spent, you know, a week or so in South Carolina, and that's when bowl games were going on, and we were driving around a lot, and I would put them on the radio. And even Clemson, a program like that, their play-by-play guy was horrendous to me, and I feel bad for saying that because he's better than me. But I just I kept thinking, I don't know how people listen to this every Saturday. It was that bad. The, but, ones that, the, one, the group I don't like is Georgia because they are we and they, the whole broadcast. That's just ridiculous. I mean, Well, and part of that was trying to carry on the... Yeah, what Larry Munson the, did, but still. The legacy of Larry Munson, but yeah, that's Scott Howard and, and those guys. They're talented and do, do a fine job. But no, you're, you're right. I mean, combination of, of David Kellum and Jack Cox. Almost. Why did I? Why I've done that to him? So Jack Cox used to be a baseball umpire, and I have done that to John before, and I've apologized, and I don't know why I still do it sometimes. Anyway, the point I was making between David and John and Neil and Jim, it I mean just pros, pros all the way around. Like the legend of the Phoenix. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. In the um, college football fix coming up to begin the 5 o'clock hour, about 10 minutes from right now, we'll take a look at uh, some of what Ray Tanner, the athletics director at the University of South Carolina, had to say in a, uh, a radio interview with 107.5 The Game in Columbia. So we'll uh, we'll get to that and see if some of what he has to say um, strikes you as interesting or kind of colors the way you look at uh, football in the state of Mississippi. Have you guys, I hope Quinn is listening. Quinn is an LSU fan, but a regular listener to this show. Have you guys seen LSU's bling the, the rings for yeah. the SEC and the national champions, they, they got them today? Or maybe yes. it was yesterday? Holy cow. Three of them. I didn't, I didn't quite understand why. SEC championship ring? Sure. National championship ring? Sure. Why do you need a playoff ring when you won the national title? That seems like overkill. Because you can put it on a nice little graphic and send it to recruits. That's true, I guess. Yeah. And, and you get to... So, three rings. SEC championship ring, which they did in yellow gold, with 16 purple stones on the side to signify their 16 conference championships. And it's got diamonds. It's This is me being kind of an old guy, but to me it's kind of the most classic looking. Although I'm sure they would tell you the national championship one is the uh, the one that really stands out for them. So they get the SEC championship ring, and then you get the college football playoff championship ring that the college football playoff provides. But there's not a lot of personalization and customization that goes along with that one. It's kind of, hey, here's your national championship ring. And then the school says, yeah, that's that's nice. Thanks for that. Now we're going to design our own national championship ring, and those are pretty blingy. Which one of the three do you like the most? 
I mean, it's, it's tough not to say the national title ring. I mean, because that's what that is. But the that said, the one with the LSU with the tiger head. I mean, that's 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 classic LSU to me. That's that's what I, I think of when I when I think of LSU. It's the first thing that pops in my head. So probably that one. Borky, which one do you like the most? None of them. Why? Such a uh, Debbie Downer, man. No, they're all sweet, man. It's and they're starting to do that at the youth level too, which I think is cool. I would much rather. I got rid of uh, recently a bunch of just like the participation trophies. Like, hey, you played on U8 Giants. Like, congrats, all those trophies. Uh, but I had some tournament plaques and stuff, uh, swimming medals and all that stuff. I would have much rather gotten rings, and they're giving those in like youth baseball tournaments and stuff now. Way better than a trophy with a little plastic guy kicking a ball or whatever on top of it. Give me a ring. A participation ring? No, no, forget that. The, I threw all those away, and I can't believe I kept them, and I never displayed them in my room anyway, because even when I was a kid, I was like, this is dumb. I played on the team. Why are you giving me a trophy for that? But I did display all like the you know, Vulcan Classic Tournament Champion, all that stuff. Um, yeah. But that... The trophies aren't near as cool as getting a ring for that, I don't think. Now, I guess you're probably right. I mean, I've we, never been. A, I mean, I, I've worn outside of a watch. I've worn one piece of jewelry in my life, and it's my here. wedding ring. Uh, I, there may have been a stretch where I was like nine, where there was like a gold chain or something, but that that was very short lived. Uh, so yeah, never been a jewelry guy at all. Always been a watch guy, never anything else. So if, if I were getting championship rings, they would be to, to display, like in a trophy case or yep. on my desk or something like that. Hey, Dad, would you wear one? If you won a national championship, would you wear the ring or just display them? It would be right there, right there on my fist. You you would see it everywhere you, everywhere I went. Super Bowl champion, you're wearing it every single day. Every where I go, go to the grocery store, go to the uh, go pick up food, go to the movies, championship ring on. So not just a special occasion thing. Yeah. It would be an all the time ring. Absolutely. I thought you would say that. You should have gone to school at Texas A&M. They're big class ring guy, guys. I know a guy and who gals. uh I know a guy who uh went to Texas A&M and every time I saw him he had his Aggie ring on one hand and his Mississippi State SEC championship ring on the other. Who's that? I, I'm wondering I'm wondering how that's going to go over at his new job. Will he continue to wear his Aggie ring at at Texas? But we'll see how old Vic Schaefer does out there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to make an Aggie part with their Aggie ring. I think that's a pretty big deal. Of course, I guess if the paycheck you're writing is big enough, then there's uh, something to be said for that. All right, College Football Fix coming your way next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. You jumping around over there? Hey, Dad. Let's go. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. On this Wednesday, Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle 
backed by real support. The IT experts at Ceasefire equip your organization with reliable high-speed Internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems, plus 24-7 local support so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can get behind the wheel of one today when you test drive an F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You won't regret it. I promise. I promise. All right. Ray Tanner is the athletics director at the University of South Carolina. He did a radio interview, I guess it was earlier today, with uh, 107.5 The Game in uh, in Columbia. And Josh Kendall, who now writes at The Athletic and covers South Carolina previously, I think he was at the Post and Courier, I think. Uh, but has covered South Carolina for a while. Um, He's with the, he was with the state. Okay, the state. There you go. So he basically listened to the interview on the radio and kind of transcribed some of what uh, Ray Tanner had to say. So we'll give that to you. Um, first of all, though, an interesting tweet that he had. So Adam Schefter tweeted about the Baltimore Ravens and their ticketing plan. They have announced that season tickets for 2020 will be deferred until the 2021 campaign, that the 2020 season ticket seat locations for all fans will be protected and the same seats will be offered for renewal in 2021 because they are going to offer fewer than 14,000 seats per game that would be their stadium capacity in, what, a 74,000-or-so-seat stadium? They're in Baltimore. Close to that, yeah. Yeah, so that's what they're planning in Baltimore. So Josh Kendall says some college administrators have been hoping that the NFL would be the first to make decisions like these to provide some kind of framework for their decisions. Right now, with South Carolina's numbers, talking about COVID numbers, 14,000 feels high. I don't know why that feels high, though. That's like a sixth of the stadium. Williams-Brice holds 82,000? Give or take. Okay. So here's some of what Ray Tanner had to say in uh, his interview today on Williams-Brice capacity. Probably 15,000 would be a number I would throw out. I've had some people who have studied that. Might get as high as twenty. Might be no fans. We still have some time, but not as much as we once did. Okay. Uh, Southern Cal, uh, it's not Southern Cal, South Carolina won't release COVID testing numbers, but Ray Tanner told the radio station, our numbers are really good. We're in really good position right now. Our numbers are extremely low or in some sports non-existent. Football, soccer, volleyball are all back on campus. In terms of football. We hope to start on time, but if not, 
Will that be the spring? Not necessarily. We could move things back, adjust dates. Could it be spring? Certainly, but I don't think we would all of a sudden go, well, let's go to the spring. And Borky, that's kind of what we talked about yesterday, right? Yeah, it it certainly feels like not only is it uh, a last resort, but it's something that they don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, they'll do anything. They'll move the season back. They'll do whatever it takes. They'll play uh, with 10,000 fans in the stands before they move it to February. Yeah. I find that interesting, though, because what is... uh, I don't know how to describe this because I wasn't an economics major, but at some point there's an operation cost of running a stadium with fans inside. At what point is the number of fans not worth the cost of running the operation? What's the number where they decide, you know what, it's better economically for us to just close the gates and not let anybody inside because having 6,000 people in here with all that we have to do to get these people in is not worth it. What's that number or do we know? I, I believe Keith Carter was on a podcast recently and said something, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if anybody else listened to it, that under 50%, they're losing money having the gates open. That if it's if they can't get 50% in, they might not oh. let anybody in. Yeah, he told us that six weeks ago. He, did he tell us um, that too? Okay. So if it hey. is 33%, if they say, you know what, we feel comfortable letting about a third of the stadium in, 20,000 people, give or take, in both Oxford and Starkville, they will say no? And they'll just they'll close the no. gates because no, no, it's not no, no, worth no. it. Then no, 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 no. So then, what's my so, question so is think, what's the number where they would say no? You know what? Forget it. Let's just close the gates. I don't think that number exists. So they would do it no matter what because of the TV contract. Well, you can have the games on TV yeah, without but, fans in the stadium. Oh, I thought you were saying shut. Oh, no, I get what you shut saying. the gates no, no, to the stadium you. and that's it. So uh, maybe I'm trying to sound like a smart guy. Don't really know what I'm talking about, but that sounds like. Like a diminishing returns? Yeah, that's what I was Concept. thinking the whole time. Yeah. There we go. A little economics here on a, on a Wednesday. Uh, so Keith Carter told us six weeks ago, operating at 50% capacity would cost the department $10 million. And operating at 25% capacity would cost $18 million. I get what you're asking, Borky, but I feel like those numbers that he was alluding to were in terms of ticket revenue numbers. I don't know it was as much about operating expense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously expensive to open the stadium and play the power bill and get all the security in place and, and whatnot, but you know what what is that number? I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it a million dollars per game? Is it two and a half million dollars a game? Is it five million a game? I don't know the answer to that. Um, maybe we can can get an answer to that. I did ask Keith Carter earlier today. I just sent him a text message. I was like, "Where do you stand right now?" And he said, "Still cautiously optimistic we can play this fall." That's obviously not putting a specific date on it. Doesn't it feel like... I feel like I ask some version of this question every day, so forgive me. Yeah. Just doesn't feel like we're playing Labor Day weekend. 
Probably not, but I think in a way that's a good thing because it just allows more time for things to get better. I mean, I guess it's possible they get worse, but at least it gives you more time. Uh, I guess the the biggest issue with delaying the season is the fact that you don't have a commissioner, and we've talked about this before. College football needs a commissioner that can make these kind of calls, but wouldn't you imagine it would be pretty easy for, for Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby and Larry Scott to get on the phone with each other, include ACC and the Big Ten and even the group of five? and say, hey guys, let's do it four weeks later. Keep the schedules as they are, just start them on October 3rd instead of September 5th or whatever day Somebody must have listened to, I think it was Tuesday's Thunder and Lightning. Yeah. Good job. Good podcast. I'm glad you could make it to Tuesday's Thunder and Lightning when you couldn't make it to Tuesday's Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, Tuesday's Thunder and Lightning would have been recorded on Monday. But Mm -hmm. wouldn't you... All right, Borky, so the the issue that you've got with that is then you push your season into the middle of December. So if you push it back, if the month of September is out, so right now you've got five, four Saturdays in the month of September, the 5th, 12th, 19th, and 26th. So if you want to take those four Saturdays and just set them aside and say the season starts October 3rd, you have four Saturdays in October, now you got five. The third, the tenth, the seventeenth, the twenty-fourth, the thirty-first, and then you have four Saturdays in November. So that could get you nine games and still play the SEC championship game or conference championship games as they are scheduled. But why would you want to do that? Why not just push right. those back too and play the full season nope. if you can? The way I had it was you play October through I think the mid December. You're going to have to cancel one game. That was our the only really big deal. Cancel one game. Uh, the 18th of December are the conference championship games. Take two weeks off. Play the bowl games through January. National championship game the day after the Super Bowl. So, like, Valentine's Day for the national championship game? Fe- February 7th would have been the date. Whew. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, good text on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Talking about Tim and Tupelo? <laughs> Do what now? You said there was a good text on the text line. I was asking if you were talking about Tim and Tupelo. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Can we read what Tim sent us? <laughs> I think you can. If you can read an emoji. Uh, Tim <laughs> Tim sent us a message that I don't think was intended for the ceasefire text line. It said two minutes out, and it had six different versions of heart emojis. <laughs> Attaboy, Tim. Congrats, buddy. Woo! <laughs> I hope he's getting back in the car right now. I love this. I've never given my name before on the text line. But after five, I'm Nathan from Myrtle. (laughs) Before five, I'm a random texter who shouldn't be listening while at work. Your secret is safe with us. Was it okay to read it? I I didn't write him out. I mean, because we would never. No, no, no. Yeah. 
You're That's a great well, text. Yeah, well, scrolling through, he has never texted us once before five, so he's covered. Oh, that's good. Yeah, very good. Very good. Richard and Wiggins says, must be date night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if uh, the previously mentioned go uh, texter says, thanks, guys, like, thanks a lot, you just ratted me out, or nah, thanks for recognizing oh, yeah, my contributions to the show. He would have been, been angry if, we, if that had gone. Yeah, he's never texted us before five. No, boss, mm. man, he's all good. Hmm. Studies do show that listening to things while working makes you more productive. So, it's true. Hey, a couple more quotes. To you guys talk while I'm doing this show. I'm super productive. <laughs> this um, guy. This guy. A couple more quotes from Ray Tanner. With regard to football, we hope to start on time. But will that be the spring? Oh, I read that one. Not necessarily. We could move things back, adjust dates. Could it be the spring? Certainly. But I don't think we would all of a sudden go, well, let's go to the spring. Will there be football? The health, safety, and welfare of everyone involved is paramount. If we can't do it, we postpone it. I don't see a scenario where we cancel it. We will look for a better environment where it's safe to move forward. If we did end up playing in the spring, it would not be a full schedule, I would guess says he's hopeful that at South Carolina they will not have to cut sports. And then doubled down, he said, I think we're going to play football. I'm not sure I can define the dates as much as I would like. Will we be on time? We could be. We'd like to have fans. But we don't have a crystal ball. We don't have a vaccine. Several of you have sent messages to us saying, hey, the Ivy League has canceled their sports. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, I know some of you joined us kind of in progress or as you're able to. So, yeah, the news from the Ivy League, they're not going to play any sports before January 1st. They say there's no way that we can play sports in the fall semester. Nothing will be played before January 1st. And there are a lot of people that have jumped on that and said, this is the first domino to fall. Everybody else will fall in line over the next few weeks. And I think the consensus here was we don't necessarily agree with that line of thinking because canceling basketball tournaments in the postseason of basketball with the the Ivy League kind of being the first to do so and then everybody else following suit. Not Everybody didn't follow suit because the Ivy League did it first, though. Right. They followed suit right. because there was no other option. The Ivy League doesn't need sports. It doesn't have to have sports. I had this list of endowments pulled up earlier in terms of university endowments. Harvard is 40 billion. Yale is 31 billion. Princeton is 27 billion. MIT, though not an Ivy League in the same part of the country, 18 billion. University of Pennsylvania, 15 billion. Columbia University, 11 billion. Uh, Cornell, eight billion. All right, so the Ivy Leagues, Brown, four billion. Dartmouth, did we decide Dartmouth was Ivy League or not? Can't ever remember. I believe it is. I think Dartmouth is Ivy League. Six billion. All right, so the universities are fine. Let me tell you where you got to go on that list to find a. University from the Southeastern Conference. 
you got to go to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has, as of 2019's reporting, an endowment of $6,271,000,000. They can't fix their football stadium, though, and they can't afford to keep their media relations department employed. Sorry, there's a difference in can't and chooses not to. After Vanderbilt, and and by the way, that's about the mm, 15th, 18th largest endowment in the country. After Vanderbilt, I believe Texas A&M is next. And... I can't even find it on the The fact list. that Maybe. it's taking this long to find underscores the point perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was only looking at private schools. So Texas A&M is higher on the list. Um, Yeah, Texas A&M has the largest endowment in the SEC, $13.5 billion. Think about that. Texas A&M's endowment is double, double that of Vanderbilt's. And yet they still can't win any championships. And Texas A&M, you want to know the difference between Texas A&M and Texas? $17 billion in endowment. Wow. Texas's is at thirty-one billion. Um but after after A and M you you gotta scroll for a while before you find Florida at about two billion dollars. Alabama one and a half across its entire university system. Kentucky at 1.4, Tennessee at 1.4, Georgia at 1.3, Arkansas at 1.2, Missouri at eh, 1. something. And then Mississippi, one of about 20 states that does not have a public university with an endowment over a billion dollars. So what you're saying is we kind of need football around here. Need it all over the SEC. I mean, the, the, the whole reason for looking at the endowment list a second ago was to illustrate the point that some universities don't have to have sports. They don't. Amherst College going to be okay if they don't play sports. Harvard's going to be fine. Yale's going to be fine. Vanderbilt's going to be fine as a university. Their athletics department is a sham anyway. I mean, Vanderbilt as a university identifies itself as Ivy League. But then they try to pretend to be SEC in sports some of the time they, in some uh, sports. Laid off more people today in athletics, by the way. Vanderbilt did? Mm-hmm. At, like, 
AD level type people? Uh, did not see any details other than more cuts have come to the Vanderbilt Athletic Department. Mm. Tough times in Nashville. You haven't seen that yet here in Mississippi. You've seen some pay cuts to coaches. There been any announcements at Mississippi State of any pay cuts? Hey, Dad, at this point? Not, not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen yeah. any. I think you got that story with Ole Miss um, a week or two ago. Top-earning coaches were asked to take, I think it was a 10% cut for six months. And then all athletics department officials and coaches making over $200,000, I think had to take a 10% cut for three months. I think that was right. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So Kirk Herbstreet is the leading voice for college football. Works alongside Chris Fowler. You know you've got him on Saturday nights. You know you've got him on Saturday mornings. The question is, do you have him on Monday night? So ESPN is still trying to figure out what to do with its Monday night football booth. And at times you've heard Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet's names mentioned together. But the idea of breaking up um, what they've got going on Saturdays is not something that's all that uh, tenable for the ESPN folks. If there's not any college football, then according to a report uh, report from Andrew Marchand at uh, the New York Post, that's probably the play. That they just move the two of them over to Monday Night Football and figure out what to do long-term for Monday Night Football down the line. Maybe they're fantastic and they make them an offer they can't refuse. Maybe they do something else. If there is college football, Chris Fowler expected to stay put on the college side of things. And how about Kirk Herbstreet doing both? It's a story that's, or an idea that's getting a little more momentum, though it's not a done deal. College football has played this fall. Herb Street would continue with Chris Fowler on ESPN's number one team. That's not changing no matter what. However, the NFL apparently likes Herb Street, according to sources, and he could do double duty and team with the new Monday night football play-by-play favorite Steve Levy. Very unlikely Fowler would do both college and Monday night football. Man. says, Herb Street is not a done deal. Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky are still under consideration to team with Steve Levy if there is college football. So it's a fluid situation. Is that too much Herb Street, or do you like that idea? Well, he's fantastic. It's not an easy job, and there's always going to be criticism, and there's probably one day where he like said something negative about somebody out there listening's team, and therefore they've hated him forever. But he is fantastic at his job. He's very, very good. And it's really difficult to be a national analyst of a sport like college football where you have triple the teams that matter than you do in the NFL. And 
to be as good as he is and then also do national shows and spots on uh, on ESPN all week long and to have good enough knowledge of everybody, it's impressive. He's really good. I don't understand the Levy thing. Can't people, can't they do better than him? He's fine, but they've got better, don't they? Well, they want to get away from Joe Tessitore. I, I think they just want to get away from everything related to the last couple of years because it's been so poorly received. Sean McDonough's done it, and that didn't work. Mike Tirico left the company. They want Chris Fowler to stay on college football. So who are you going to? Dave Pash? Bob Oshusen? You'll put Tom Hart on Monday Night Football? He drops in culturally appropriate references more often than Levy does, that's for sure. He does. The bring your green hat thing when Snoop Connor was... Running the touchdown against Vanderbilt is like there's probably five people watching the game that night that understood what "bring your green hat" was in reference to. But man, it was perfect. There goes Snoop Connor. Bring your green hat. <laughs> That's just perfect. That's good stuff. I, I just worry about like, is this. First off, ESPN keeps doing this thing where they take the guys that are really good at college football and they put them over on the NFL. Like, I always thought Anthony McFarlane was really good as a college football analyst in studio. But then they try to make him a pro football color guy, and it just doesn't work. You know, it's the same sport, but they're different sports. You know, and I just don't know if Herb Street can that's, – that's two big gigs that you've got to do a ton of research for. I just feel like he's going to be behind on the NFL because he's been doing college football for all these years. You may be able to answer this, Richard. Why not Kevin Harlan? Because he, he doesn't, doesn't work, work for ESPN, ESPN, does he? But, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you... I just I don't see him on much, and every time I see him, I think, God, this guy's incredible. And Jeff on 55 pointed it out. That's what brought it to me. But why is he not highly coveted as like a Monday night football type play-by-play guy? Am I missing something? He's already doing um, Monday Night Football on the radio for Westwood One. He works for TNT. He does NBA, and of course, he's fantastic at that as well. He's he's really good at everything he does. Absolutely, he is. Um, Who all does he work for right now? But see that right there, Monday Night Football on the radio. I mean, you would imagine the the pay increase. Oh, he works for CBS. He called uh, NFL announcer for CBS. So he's doing an NFL TV game on Sunday afternoons. He's doing Monday Night Football on the radio on Monday night. He does the NBA and he does the NCAA tournament. Got a pretty pretty good card there. Pretty good workload. Um. Ian Eagle, I think, is the most underrated, one of the most underrated announcers out there. And there's been some discussion that when his contract ends with CBS and all the other entities for which he works next year, that ESPN could very well make a run at him. 
He's just a pro in everything he does. I just had to pull him up because that name didn't ring a bell in the first highlight, like the first word he said. I thought, oh, that guy. And yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He does some Brooklyn Nets games. He does NBA stuff. He does college basketball. He does the NFL on CBS, like the number two game on uh, on CBS. Um, so anyway. Oh, Kevin Harlan also does the NBA on TNT. Right, yeah. 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 So, so, so he's doing an NFL game on Sunday afternoons, an NFL game on the radio on Monday nights, the NCAA men's basketball tournament, and the... Um, the NBA regular season. That's a pretty darn big load. Hey, good for him. And his daughter is now in broadcasting as well. Olivia Decker, Harlan Decker. She married Sam Decker that played basketball at where? Wisconsin? Is that right? Yeah. ESPN needs to find a money. Was scheduled, by the way, to be the sideline reporter for uh, the spring game that I was scheduled to do pre-COVID. Did I ever tell you guys what that that broadcast team was supposed to be? No. It was supposed to be me and Mike Golick Jr. and Olivia Decker. It's an all-star cast. (laughs) Anyway. This is what this is what one and I thought to do. They need to they need to go with the unknown guy, the, the 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 underdog, the guy. Let's bring let's let's we've tried all these big names that hasn't worked. Let's go with this guy. Let's go with Richard Cross. Yeah, that would be great for me. You are the second person that has voted for that scenario, hey dad, in the last five minutes. I got a a a, a text from a mutual friend that said Richard Cross is tanned and rested. Let's go. I hear you. Borky says that'd be good for me. I hear you. Trickle-down economics. Yes, sir. Firm believer. If you could get um, Steve Ackles and Stephanie Drooley and, uh, oh, I don't know, Bob Iger... Jimmy Pitaro to sign off on that deal? That would emails. be lovely, Mr. Haydad. Lovely. Give me their emails. I'll, I'll start a campaign. I can, uh, I can, I can share email addresses. Absolutely okay. can. I know a guy that used to intern there a few years ago, so that's my end for you. I know, Is so, he I a know decision a maker now? <laughs> I know a girl who's interning there right now. Ooh. Works perfect. There you go. Got this guy connections all over the place. Huh? Cross Herb Street, Monday Night Football. Uh, Yeah. Mike in Oxford says, I want to see Richard on number 16 at Augusta. It's like the hits just keep on coming, guys. I'm in. At least we know the Cross and Herb Street broadcast team wouldn't suggest taking a knee on fourth down. (laughs) No. Or, excuse me, spiking the ball on fourth down. I don't think we'd necessarily have fun with the Telestrator either. <laughs> uh, you've been known to slip a reference into a broadcast from time to time. Yes, you have. I have video proof. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.